Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here. We pray that you will be blessed by this message and that God will impact your hearts. Let's listen in. Welcome to Greystone Church. My name's Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors. I'd like to welcome our Walton campus, our Oconee campus, everybody who's watching online. How's the Azor campus? Are y'all away? Y'all, oh, I love it. We got the 1030 service bringing the energy. That's awesome. So we're in the middle of this series called Advance, and we're, we're talking about expanding the kingdom of God, and we've got this military theme. And what we have going on around the world is as Russia is advancing against the Ukraine, I was, I was thinking about our theme. Of course, we're trying to advance the gospel. We're trying to build the church. We're trying to take a new territory for the kingdom. Russia's trying to take new territory for itself. I know we prayed at the beginning of the services, but, but I just wanted to say we're, we're all praying uh, for Ukraine. We're praying for President Zelensky. What uh, Putin and Russia are doing is evil. And we recognize that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so we're praying that the victory belongs uh, to the Lord. So we want, we want to keep praying and keep trusting God. So we are in the middle of a study through the book of Acts. And today uh, we have a, a new main character that comes on the scene. His name is Saul of Tarsus. And we're going to look at Saul's conversion stories, one of the greatest stories in the Bible. I hope you guys are excited about it. Uh, at, at Stephen's stoning, Stephen was the first person who died for the faith. Of course, uh, Pastor Spencer did a great job preaching that message a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, but at, stone, at Stephen's stoning, it says when they, when they, when they drug him out of the city and then they stoned him to death, the Bible tells us that Saul, a young man named Saul, was holding the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. I want us to look at Acts chapter 8, the first few verses there, then we're going to jump ahead to, to Acts chapter 9. And so I want you to see the kind of person that Saul of Tarsus was. Acts 8 verse 1 says, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Uh, right before Jesus sends into heaven, he gives us the great commission, Acts 1-8, says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, so as the Christians were scattered, as they were persecuted, they were taking the gospel where they went. It says, some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Now, I want us to jump ahead to Acts chapter 9. This is our main passage for the day. It's, it's a lengthy passage, but I want to go ahead and read the whole passage just so we understand the context of, of what's taking place in the story. So Acts chapter 9, verse 1 says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. Now, 
We weren't called Christians until Acts chapter 13. And the church in Antioch is where they first used the term Christians. Up until that point, followers of Jesus were known as followers of the way. It's the way of Jesus. And it comes from John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so that's what we're referring to here. Followers of the way are followers of Jesus. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what to do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He, was, he is praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. He is authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I'll show him how he must suffer. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate food, ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. So we had this amazing conversion story of Saul of Tarsus. He's on the road to Damascus, like he's on his way to Damascus. Damascus is about 175 miles north of Jerusalem. Saul is this religious bounty hunter, okay? He's going after the Christians. He's going after the followers of the way. And he plans to bring them back, both men and women, in shackles, in chains, and throw them into prison in Jerusalem. Saul is going in the complete opposite direction that God wants him to go. And I want you to see in the story that God stops, stops him in his tracks, saves him, calls him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and is baptized. And I want you to say, this is a side note, but every single time in the book of Acts that someone puts his or her faith in Jesus, says they are, they're baptized. They put their faith in Jesus, they repent, they believe, and then they're baptized. If you haven't been baptized after you've put your faith 
in Jesus, I want to encourage you to get baptized. I'm, su- I'm super excited. We're starting a new campus up in Milton. It's about an hour and 15 minutes north of here. Yes, it's exciting. And we've been driving up there on Sunday afternoons. We have our service there at 3.30 uh, today. And uh, one of the guys in our core group, Rob, I had lunch with him the other day, and he grew up Catholic, became a Christian as an adult, but through our membership class, he's realized, you know, he needs to be baptized after he put his faith in Jesus, and he told me. He said, I want to be the first person baptized at Greystone Milton. And I said, listen, Savannah wants to get baptized. There's other people that want to get baptized, too. He said, they can be second. <laughs> I'm first. Not that I'm competitive or anything, but I want to be the first person baptized. So, Saul's conversion experience. I want you to see this. I mean, it says immediately he began preaching. You talk about a life that was changed. Completely changed. Jesus stops him in his tracks. He changes him. He saves him. He's baptized. And it says immediately he began preaching. Now, God later on changes his name, and we're going to see that in the book of Acts. He goes from Saul to Paul. We know him as the Apostle Paul, right? He, he ends up going, and the rest of the book of Acts follows Paul's missionary journeys, and he ends up starting all of these churches all over Asia Minor. He ends up writing letters back to the churches, and these letters, these epistles become books of the Bible, The apostle Paul wrote half of the New Testament, 13 books of the Bible. And next to Jesus, he's arguably the most influential Christian in the history of Christianity. Now, I have a few thoughts based upon this passage that I hope and pray are gonna challenge you. Every time we open the Word, every time we open the Scriptures, I hope you open your mind, I hope you open your heart, that God has a Word for you. He is going to speak to you today. And my, my first thought, if you're taking notes, is no one is beyond saving. No one is beyond the saving power of Jesus. Could be you, could be someone that you love, But no one has done enough bad stuff that Jesus cannot save them, that Jesus cannot save you. The apostle Paul refers to himself in one of his later letters as the chief of sinners, as the worst of sinners. Look at 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to save sinners? And I am the worst of them all. The apostle Paul says, I'm the worst sinner of them all. Jesus came to save sinners. And you might say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Pastor, Jesus could never save me. I've got a word straight from God for you. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell, if you are believing that. That's what the enemy wants you to believe, that you are beyond saving. Jesus Christ can save anyone. If he can save Saul of Tarsus, he can save you. 
He was a murderer. He was persecuting Jesus, which is interesting. If you're persecuting Christians, you're actually persecuting Jesus. He was killing Christians. He was aggressively trying to destroy the church. If Jesus can save Saul, he can save anyone. Jesus saved the criminal on the cross right next to him at his crucifixion. Jesus can save anyone. I've seen Jesus save murderers. I've seen Jesus save adulterers. I've seen Jesus save thieves. I've seen Jesus save meth addicts and drug addicts. I've seen Jesus save people out of the adult entertainment business. Jesus can save you. He came to save sinners. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. He can pull you out of the muck and the mire. He can put a new song in your heart. He can turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. He can wash you as white as snow. He can save anyone. And you might say, well, well my son or daughter's too far gone. He can save you. He can save your prodigal son. He can save your prodigal daughter. And you might say, well, it's too late. They've already chosen an alternative lifestyle. Or they've already had a sex change. He's transgender. Don't you tell me God can't do it. Don't you tell me God can't save that person. I've seen him do it. God is in the miracle business. He can save anybody. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God can save you. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen him do it. <laughs> Many years ago, at, right out of college, I was, I was in college ministry. West Georgia College. Got some old West Georgia people here today. But there was a guy on our campus. He was the biggest partier on campus. He was the wildest guy on campus. In fact, he was the baddest dude on campus. Nobody messed with this guy, okay? This guy had center blocks for hands. He would go to bars every night, get in fights. He didn't last long in college. He only lasted one year. But I shared the gospel with him. I mean, legendary stories about this guy. He was stabbed in Panama City, getting in a fight with this guy. 16 years later, at Greystone Church, he crashes the waters of baptism. Don't you tell me God can't do it. He can save anybody. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. He can save you. He could save you today. He could save him today. He could save her today. We are talking about Jesus. He is in the life-changing business. He is in the miracle business. He is in the changing lives business. If Jesus can change my life, he can change anybody's life. If Jesus can change T.J. Scoggins' life, he can change anybody's life. If he can change Brian Lane's life, he can change anybody's life. If he can change Joey Sherrill's life, he can change anybody's life. If he can change Dan Fry's life, he can change anybody's life. If he can change Saul of Tarsus' life, 
He can change anybody's life. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Now, for those of you who have been praying for loved ones for weeks and months and years, like you have a prodigal son or daughter, or you've been praying for your mom and dad to come to know Christ, I have a, I have a, I have a Bible promise for you. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you feel like the persistent uh, widow who is, is constantly coming before Jesus. You got the same prayer request over and over and over and over again for years and years and years. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. There's a condition to the promise. We can't give up. Don't give up on your son or daughter. Don't give up on your best friend. Don't give up on mom or dad. In God's timing, you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. Don't give up. Keep praying, keep loving, keep doing good. In the words of the great theologian Steve Perry, don't stop believing. Keep the faith. Keep praying. Keep loving. Keep reaching out. Always have the welcome mat out. No one is beyond the saving power of Jesus. Number two, God uses one person who will answer his call. God can use one person who will answer his call. And we see this throughout the scriptures. From Genesis to, to Revelation, Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Esther and Gideon and David and Samuel and Elijah, John the Baptist, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Thought I'd try it again. You know, he, Hebrews chapter 11, we, we have the hall of faith. It's all these great people of God. And every time this person is recognized, they're recognized by their faith. It says, by faith, Noah, and by faith, Moses, and by faith, Joshua. Every great move of God begins with a step of faith. It begins with God is calling you to do something, and you take that step of faith to do it, whatever it is. By faith, Noah built a boat to save his family. What is God calling you to do to save your family? By faith, Abraham offered his son Isaac on the altar. By faith, Moses went before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. By faith, Joshua and the Israelites marched around the city of Jericho seven straight days and then seven times on the seventh day and those, those walls came tumbling down. They kept marching, they kept praying, they kept, kept trusting God, and finally those walls came down. What walls in your life need to come down? Keep praying, keep marching, keep trusting. Esther went before the king in faith for such a time as this. By faith, Gideon and his 300 soldiers faced an army of 120,000 soldiers. 300 versus 120,000. And they had the victory. David faced Goliath. And Isaiah the prophet said, here I am, Lord, send me. God uses one person 
who is willing to answer his call on their lives. And that's what we see here with Saul, who becomes the apostle Paul. So I think Saul is one of these type A personalities, and we have some type A personalities here. And we have type A personalities at all of our campuses. Like, this is the man, this is the woman, no matter what they do, they're gonna be the best at it. So if it's partying, we're gonna be the best partiers there are, right? If it's sports, we're gonna be the best person on the team. That's you, right? If you get involved in a hobby like hunting or fishing, like you're going all in, you're getting all the gear, you're, you're, you're doing everything. If you're starting a business, like you're, you're, you're gonna be successful, you're gonna make a lot of money. You're a type A personality. That's who you are. That's how God made you. Imagine a type A personality focused on the things of God. All about building the church and sharing the gospel of Jesus Jesus Christ. Take a new territory for the kingdom of God. Can you imagine the impact that person could have? See, I believe God is calling many of you to be that person. To attempt great things for God. To give your life to something bigger than yourself. Bigger than building your little quarter acre kingdom. Building God's kingdom. That's why you're sitting in church today. That's why you're watching. That's why you're listening online. Because God is calling you. He's calling you to something. This message is for you. Maybe God's calling you into full-time ministry. Maybe God's calling you to be a pastor. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary. Just as God called Paul and Angela to go to Scotland, Maybe God's calling you to go to Scotland. Like you could go with them to Scotland. They're trying to get Lauren to go with them to Scotland. I'm like, time out, we like Lauren here. We wanna keep Lauren here. They were asking Lauren last week, hey, uh, you work from home? You could work from home in Scotland. But maybe God's calling you, they're looking for a team. You go to Brazil with Jim and Mary Jane Dunn. You go to Ecuador, you go to South Africa. Like we have missionaries in all these places that, that you could go if that's what God is calling you to do. But maybe God's calling you to stay. Maybe God's calling you to reach your neighbors, to reach your neighborhood, to reach your place of work, to reach the ballpark, to reach your team, to reach, to reach your school. God can use one key leader to change an entire community. And if you're one of these type A personalities, I, I encourage you to go all in and see how God could use you. And then thirdly, if God calls you to do something, you do not have a choice. You don't have a choice. Saul of Tarsus had no choice in the matter. God chose him, God called him, God tapped him on the shoulder, said, you're, you're gonna be a missionary to the Gentiles. Saul had no choice in the matter. And God even said, you're, you're gonna suffer greatly. Now, I took, I took it out of my notes because I, did, I didn't have time to read it all. But Paul lists out all, all the things he went through, all the suffering that, that, that he experienced for Christ. You know, Jesus was lashed 39 times. Paul was lashed 
39 times, five times, five different times. He was beaten, he was stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked. It says he was in, in danger on the ocean, in danger in the rivers, in danger in the country, in danger from the Jews, in danger from the Gentiles. He had no choice in the matter whatsoever. He didn't grow up in a Christian home. He wasn't on the right path. But God stops him dead in his tracks, saves him, calls him to be a missionary to the Gentiles. He taps him on the shoulder and says, this is, this is what you're doing. Now, if lightning from heaven struck you, <laughs> knocked you off your feet, blinded you, the heavens opened up, and God himself said... <laughs> Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You would have no doubts whatsoever about God. <laughs> and you would do exactly what he called you and chose you to do. And Saul was his instrument to share the love of Jesus with the Gentiles. That's the non-Jews. That's, that's to the ends of the earth. And even though Jesus told him he had suffered greatly, he had no choice in the matter. When God calls you to do something, you do not have a choice. You simply do it. People ask me all the time, they say, how did you get in this line of work? What, what made you decide to be a pastor? I didn't decide to be a pastor. This wasn't my decision. God called me. God chose me. This is what he wanted me to do. He tapped me on the shoulder and said, this is, this is what I want you to do. I had a different vision for my life, a different plan. Uh, in, in college, I was a finance major, real estate minor. My mom was super successful in real estate, and, and her, her boss, and she was number two in command, they wanted me to come back and, and take over. I mean, my vision was to move the Mississippi Gulf Coast, make a lot of money, buy, buy a beautiful house on the bayou, because I grew up on the water. I grew up fishing. I grew up water skiing. Have a boat to go out to the islands, do some deep sea fishing. I was gonna be the club tennis champion at Bio Bluff Tennis Club. They're gonna have a parking spot for me, club champion. I was gonna roll my Range Rover right in there. <laughs> I was gonna have season tickets to the LSU Tigers, New Orleans Saints on Sundays. Wasn't my decision. When I graduated from college, I'd committed to going on staff with a college ministry, and I was really struggling over what I should do that or not, and, and I was studying, and, and I went to the guy who discipled me's house and was talking with him, and I was, I, my old Bible had all the verses highlighted, but I came to this verse, John 15, 16, and this is how God spoke to me. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And God told me as a 21-year-old who had just graduated college, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that's gonna last for all eternity. He didn't, I didn't choose to do this, this is what God chose me to do. And he gave me a life partner to do it with, which I'm so grateful. Someone to do life and ministry with. Jennifer is just as passionate about the things of God, if not more so, than I am. 
She didn't choose to do this. God chose her. God called her as a 16-year-old high school. She knew she was going to marry a pastor because that's what God called her to do. When we were newly married and Jolyn was 16 months old, we didn't choose to sell our house and sell my truck and move to Fort Worth, Texas to go to seminary and live in an 800-square-foot apartment and have our kids on wicks and eating government cheese and, and going on Friday afternoons and waiting in line at the food bank for me to go to seminary to prepare for ministry. Well, we, that wasn't our choice. We didn't choose to move across five states to Grayson, Georgia to start Greystone Church. We don't choose to go to Milton on Sunday afternoons to, to preach the gospel. God chose us. God called us. We have no choice in the matter. A few years ago, I wanted to walk away from the ministry. We had gone through a, a terrible time. And I was ready to walk away. I was ready to go to the beach. And Jennifer wouldn't let me walk away. My foxhole friends wouldn't let me walk away. But most importantly, God wouldn't let me walk away. I had no choice in the matter. When God chooses you, when God calls you, you do not have a choice. So my question for you today is, what is God calling you to do? What is he speaking into your heart right now? What is he speaking into your mind right now? What, what, what is he calling you to do? The first application question is, is God calling you to himself? Is he calling you into salvation? Is he calling you into a relationship with him? Maybe you're like Saul of Tarsus. This is your Damascus Road experience. He's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I'm calling you to myself. John 6, Jesus says, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Maybe God is drawing you to himself today. Maybe the spiritual blinders are coming off. It says when Ananias laid hands and prayed over Saul, that the scales fell from his eyes. What looked like scales. The spiritual blinders came off. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age, Satan, the, the devil, the in, our enemy, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You ever, you ever wonder how, like, people don't get it? Because they have spiritual blinders on. The majority of our world has spiritual blinders on. They're on the broad road that leads to destruction. And maybe for you today, the blinders are coming off. No one is beyond saving. Romans 10, 9 through 13 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you ready to call upon the name of the Lord? It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. Jesus' invitation is open to anyone and everyone. Is God calling you to baptism? Maybe you've put your faith in Jesus, but you haven't gone public with that faith. 
And God is calling you to go public with your faith, to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus by crashing the waters of baptism. Now, baptism was a, was a major struggle for me for many, many years. When I was 15 years old, our family walked the aisle of the local Baptist church. We stood in front of the church. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Baptist churches, how it works, but you stand in front of the church to become a member of the church and everybody votes on you. And everybody agreed, you know, they let us in. I don't know, if, I've never been in one where they said no to somebody. But my dad, my brother, and I were baptized that night. I didn't understand what it was all about. But we did start going to Sunday school and church every Sunday. And it was a couple years later at a student retreat, similar to what our kids are going to have this weekend, I committed my life to Christ. Completely changed life, like Saul of Tarsus type story. But I wasn't baptized at the time. No one talked to me about being baptized after I put my faith in Jesus. So I go into full-time ministry. I go to seminary. I study every baptism in the Bible. I'm now a pastor of a church, and I'm sharing with our church that every baptism in the Bible is after someone put their faith in Jesus. And every time I would say that, the Holy Spirit would convict me and say, well, you haven't been baptized after you put your faith in Jesus. And for years, I tried to justify, well, I don't want people to think I'm not a Christian, but it was my own pride that was keeping me. So as the pastor of the church in my early 30s, I was baptized. And it was one of the most freeing experiences of my life, crashing those waters of baptism. Maybe you have a similar story as me. Maybe God is leading you to crash the waters of baptism. Reverend, baptism next Sunday is going to be exciting. Is God calling you to an assignment? Is God calling you to do something for him? See, most of us can't relate to Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> we're not murdering people. We're not killing people. We're not just trying to destroy the church. We're not going to become an apostle. But there's another person in the story that God calls and God has an assignment for. It's Ananias. And this is the only time Ananias is mentioned in the Bible. And it wasn't a big assignment. It was to go over to Straight Street to lay hands on this guy named Saul and pray for him. And we assume Ananias is the one who baptized Saul. Well, God used Ananias to lead Saul to faith in Jesus, and Saul goes on to have this impact that's impacting us today. How many of you guys know who Mordecai Ham is? Okay, one or two people. Mordecai Ham is this little-known evangelist that nobody knows about. But he preached the sermon, he preached a message the night that Billy Graham became a Christian. And we all know Billy Graham, right? The greatest, evan modern, greatest evangelist in, in modern day history. The assignment that God has for you, well, maybe it's working in our kids' area, and you're changing diapers. 
You could be changing the diapers of the next Billy Graham. Hey, I changed, I changed that boy's diapers. Back at Greystone Church, 2022. Maybe you're discipling middle school and high school kids. And you're thinking, are these kids getting anything out of this? Who knows what they'll go on to do? Maybe you're leading a discipleship group, you're leading a women's Bible study, you're involved in Celebrate Recovery. You never know how God will use your assignment to impact so many other people for Christ. What, what is the assignment that God has for you? Maybe you can relate to Ananias. What is God calling you to do? And are you willing to say, here I am, Lord. Send me, here, here I am. I'll, I'll take this small step of faith. And the last thing, is God calling you to full-time ministry? I wanna have regular times in our church where we, where we lead people to the call of full-time ministry. That God's calling people, maybe, maybe it's young people, maybe it's old people. Maybe God's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, this, this is what I'm calling you to do, this is what I'm leading you to do. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you to answer the call. We'll have our prayer team available our staff will be available, I'll be available. We wanna pray with you. If you need any prayer, if you need it to talk with a pastor about anything, we'll be available to talk with you. So let's, let's move into a time uh, of response. Maybe today is, is the day of your salvation, that God is calling you to himself says in Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. Jesus can save you. I wanna encourage you to put your faith in him today. Surrender your life to him. Maybe God is calling you to an assignment. You know he's leading you to do something. Could be something small, could be something big. I wanna encourage you to step out in faith. Have the courage to do whatever it is that God is calling you to. Maybe it's just going public with your faith and crashing the waters of baptism and you're saying, I'm, I'm gonna do it next week. Or maybe God's calling you into full-time ministry and you don't know what that looks like or what the next step is, but, but you're gonna take that next step. However God is speaking to you, however he's leading in your life, I wanna encourage you today to take that next step of faith, take that next step of obedience. God, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more of these messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to visit our website, greystonechurch.com. We pray that you will have an amazing day.